0: Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com. And today I'm super excited to have as my guests a wonderful couple. Philippe Lewis and Padgett Norton have been happily together for over 13 years. They are now poly parents of a young son, they are community leaders, sex educators, coaches, and writers. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, Philippe and Padgett. Ah, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're welcome. So I believe you actually named your relationship. Can you tell me about that?
1: Philippe? Padgett, do you want to go first?
2: <laughs> well, sure. Um, you know, early, very early on, I think there are a couple of things. One is Philippe was the first person I had ever been with. He said that it was possible to create any kind of relationship you wanted to create. And I found that when we got involved, we were doing that. We were creating this amazing relationship. And we found that there was this kind of third entity, this entity that existed between us. And so we wanted to give that thing that existed between us a name and um, searched around, and I love languages, and I was looking, um, I ended up looking into Greek and found the word Estonia, which is Greek for abundance, and uh, I probably threw out a couple of other options, but that one seemed to fit, and so we seemed to like it, so we ended up naming our relationship Actonia.
0: Nice. That's excellent. And how does that name show up in your life? like how
1: how do well, you use uh, that name
3: yeah. well i think uh, i I'll, I'll I'll follow up on that one um, so after we named our relationship we 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 started seeing that that we could uh uh that the relationship was were, uh, so let's just let's just go with the name oh and there's a lot of background noise on your
0: end. Yes, I apologize. I apologize. I'm on the road, on my way to the Eclipse Festival in Oregon, and I had to stop into a Starbucks, <laughs> and the, uh, the music is playing, <laughs> so I apologize.
3: <laughs> Understood. Um, so uh, the the name that we decided to uh, to name our relationship at first was Aftonia, and what we realized is is that the relationship had a particular feel to it, and uh, and. And we wanted to acknowledge that feel or that sort of the, the, the emerging spirit of the relationship. And we, we looked for something that would inspire us uh, in, uh, as we moved into continuing to co-create this relationship as if it were kind of like this little baby of us, this, this little child of ours. And so we decided to name it Aptonia, which is Greek for abundance. And, uh, and every time that we were having our time or we were fighting – we would sort of remember uh, what we named the relationship and continue to move towards a space of abundance with each other.
0: Oh, beautiful, I love that. that's great so let's let's start with some of the more challenging aspects uh, of open relationship for our listeners so that they know that you haven't always been perfect in your life. <laughs> um, can you tell us maybe Philippe Philippe, you can start um, what were some of the most difficult aspects of of your relationship being open in the beginning,
3: uh, I think at the beginning, uh, the most, the one of the most relationship, uh, the, the most challenging aspects is we didn't really know what that was going to look like, and every time we kind of start to make a step in one direction of how to engage with others, uh, we kept on finding out that we didn't really know, we we didn't really know a lot about. About open relationships, we had we maybe maybe we had some fantasies about what it could look like, uh, but there was there was a lot of fears and a lot of anxiety that would kind of, that would show up, and we would sort of loop on on those on those fears and anxieties
1: um,
3: in our own individual ways, and it took a long time to build up uh, the stability and the security for for us to be able to do this uh, in a way that was fully open without any fear, So we started out with having boundaries and having agreements and having check-ins, and slowly we built up the security and the the safety that we needed in order to do this.
0: What was the word you said, boundaries, agreements, and what, seconds?
3: Uh, Boundaries, agreements, uh, and check-ins.
0: Check-ins, got it. (laughs) Okay. And so do you find that you have fewer agreements now?
3: Uh, Padgett, do you want to answer that one?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, um, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. I think a lot of those agreements came from a place of fear and um, having this idea that things are just going to go wildly chaotic. And, uh, and so now I think, yeah, we, I mean, we have very few agreements. And I think we've also just, internalize the importance of our own relationships and, and understanding that we just have each other's backs so there's not this sense of like oh we have this little where stackling relationship that might be, you know or get blown over by a big wind like we have a really strong foundation strong roots and have been through a lot of stuff together and so um, I know that I trust Philippe to really be there for me and for our family
1: you know, in a way that
2: I didn't trust in the beginning. I thought he was going to kind of flitter off and he'd find somebody who could do this really easily. Um, And just Mm -hmm. over the years together, I've realized how much solidity we've created as a couple and and now as a family and uh, how much solidity he has as a person. Mm -hmm.
0: And, Padgett, did you start your relationship as a a non-monogamous relationship or did you have a, a period of monogamy at first? Uh,
2: we started totally open, completely crashed and burned. Uh, like Philippe said, we, there was a lot of fantasy, a lot of like, okay, let's go and do this thing. I think super awesome. And um, and then just discovered that we didn't have the communication skills. We didn't, you know, I guess in some ways we didn't know each other as well as we, as we do now. Um, and so it was, It was a really wonderful idea, and uh, and then we just learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. Got it.
0: And Philippe, um, what would you say to couples that um, are just starting their relationship? Um, Would you recommend that they start it out right away, um, non-monogamous, or have a period of monogamy, or does it depend on the couple? What What do you tell your clients? I. I usually, uh, I usually check with my clients first
3: around, like, how connected they are. How, which in, in a sense, what, it, what that means is, do, do they understand each other's needs? Do they understand their own needs? Are they able to move together? Uh, if, that, if the answer is no, or if the, if the answer is some version of no, then I recommend that they focus on each other in order to be fully connected. Because what I what I found out over the years is that connection leads to trust, and it's from a place of trust that you can engage you can engage with other people without your partner being afraid uh, that you're going to flitter off, as I just said.
0: hmm Excellent. Thank you. So, what helped you the most? Um, either one of you can answer this what helped you the most to get through those difficult early days
1: Uh, do you want to go sure you know I think
2: one is I you know I remember when I were seeing a coach at the time and I was expressing some of my fears that he was going to leave me and and then the the coach turned to us and he's like, how long did we And I think at the time that it had been maybe three or four years and he said you haven't left you yet? And I was
1: like, No And um
2: and so for me it was this sense of like trusting that Felicia's gonna be there. Um I think also getting that I um I have a lot more resentment towards myself and my own fears and my own kind of meltdown than he And in fact, I mm-hmm. he kept on, and it continues to be this incredible source of unconditional love and really non judgmental. And so when I finally discovered that my own self-judgment was stronger than any other judgment that existed, that was uh, that was a that was a huge breakthrough for me and a place and a yeah. just really big discovery um, excellent thank you so for saying that, that, that I, yeah.
0: I, yeah sorry go, go ahead
2: yeah, and I think I also, you know, I also realized that the women fleet was connecting with, in my mind, they would be like, goddesses,
1: you know. I would be like, oh my god, I
0: can't believe
2: it. I'm just going to connect that person, perfect. And then <laughs> I found that if I actually stepped more towards that person and connected with that person,
1: that it's just, you know,
2: human and. Uh, and, so, and that is like a pivot advantage in my brain. And so feeling more connected with this other person also helps for me to alleviate it.
0: Yeah, you know, you just gave two really excellent tips about um, not judging ourselves so much for where we are in our journey. Because I had a, a big, a hard time um, wanting to be more evolved than I was <laughs> And mm-hmm. so accept, accepting where we are in our journey and try not to judge ourselves, a great tip. And then the second tip was, you know, leaning into your metamores and getting to know them and because mm-hmm. our fantasies about them are often so much more intense than the reality. <laughs> yeah. So if, I'm hearing Padgett talk about um, her triggers. So, Philippe, did you have any triggers early on or was uh, non-monogamy more natural for you? Uh,
3: I, I think I, I have a, a greater tendency to want to go out and be free and explore, uh, as many people are. And so, and so the triggers for me was when when Padgett would feel a lot of anxiety about who I would connect with. And... Uh, and uh, and and I would react. I, I would I would often react negatively to that. I would I would shut down. or I would be really triggered or really angry. Uh, and I think parts of this was that in my mind, he he just didn't trust me, and it felt like regardless of what I did, he was still having a hard time trusting me.
1: Um,
3: and, uh, and and it you know there was there was so many times where I would say. Uh, I, we've been together for six years. I'm going to be. Mar- we're going to marry. I'm going to be the part of your child. We've been li- living together for four years. And like, what else do you need? What other proof do you need? And uh, and so so it was kind of a slow, progressive uh, movement towards trust. Uh, and uh, and I think the thing that made the biggest difference. And I and I and I, and I don't necessarily want to recommend that as a, as a tip. But when my son was born, when our son was born, it created more stability uh, for Padgett, uh, which kind of allowed for a greater to-
0: Excellent. Well, I want to talk about poly- parenting more, but before I go to that, I want to ask you a little bit more, Philippe, about, so how does it feel for you when Paget is with another lover?
3: I I'll say I'll say straight up it's it's actually very easy for me. And that, the, the, the person I've been the most jealous of, and again that's not the true of all couples, but the person I've been the most jealous of is
1: myself.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> that's honest. Thank you for saying that. And and yeah, how about I, I you? Generally... Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, go, ahead. go I, I ahead and continue. I generally
3: feel like Padgett is, uh, is, is a very good judge of character. After all, she picked me. No, but, uh, but uh, <laughs> jokes aside, uh, it, she, 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 she is really serious about who she engages with, and I really trust that. I, I've, ne- I've rarely seen her engage with anyone that she liked that, didn't, that I didn't like. So it's always been very easy for me to say, "Wow, this guy's really awesome. Go for it." Um, and mm-hmm. I and I really I really enjoy her joy, with, uh, which uh, with, uh, with uh, some people call compersion. This is the the enjoyment of somebody else's enjoyment, and that's always been mm-hmm. really easy for me. Uh, with my son, it's been a little more really difficult because. I had this I had this sense that I was losing attention, like in a much more direct way than if you were to go out one night. Like for, for all I know for all I care she could be going out bowling or going out with a lover. And for me that's, for me as long as she's enjoying herself, that's really the important piece.
1: Mhm. Great.
0: And how about you, Paget? How how does it feel for you now? when he's with one of his other partners?
2: Uh, Oh, my God, it's so much... I mean, it's so different now, right? Um, I mean, he's with... He's got a a current lover who's really wonderful and warm, and I think that's totally awesome. Um, I would say it kind of depends on who it is. He did have a previous lover who who had a really hard time with me, and so... Mm -hmm. It was a very kind of complex relationship that he had with her, and that was, mm-hmm. um, it was a little trickier, but I don't, I mean, I've always, I I've just come back to this place of like, if you know, I want somebody to be happy, and right. if he is really happy with this other person, then, then that would totally works for me. And I don't have to get along with this person, I don't have to be BFF with this person. Um, But I just want to know that he's in a good place And that he's happy for being with this person And so um, And now we we actually have found it As a point of connection to talk about Our other lovers with each other And Philippe Mm -hmm. is I think think I've been through more breakups than him (laughs) And so (laughs) he's definitely Been there And like held me while I cried on his shoulder And like listened And been super sweet and compassionate And and um, and I've honestly, because of being with these other people, and even because of breakups, I've felt closer to week.
0: Nice, that's beautiful. And so, did you ever have veto power over each other's relationships in in your relationship?
1: Um, uh, that's never really. No,
2: actually. Uh, go ahead, please.
3: I right, go for it. Yeah, I that's, I, I love what you have to say, this. Oh, okay. <laughs> you
2: know, it's a, a friend. And you just put it as I've heard that you can't say no to the police. And um, and I looked at this friend, and I was and I thought about it for a moment because it seemed it was sort of like a very intriguing and odd question. And I looked at my friend, and I said you know, we just don't really do it that way. And mm-hmm. I think my friend was kind of pulled over, and I was like, well, yeah, that's just, not, that's just not the way we do it. And I said, you know, and I know because Philippe was in this other relationship, and it was, there were ways in which it was very challenging, and yet what I saw from Philippe is that he rose up and he was actually more in support of our relationship for having been in this other relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's more about what do these other connections call for. Um, We've certainly had some very honest conversations about, you know, other people and what kind of people they are. And I know that Philippe well knows my opinion on things and that it does make a difference. Um, But we're not interested in saying no to each other. I mean, there are certainly logistical things where it's like, oh, you want to go out and do this thing and I, you know, I already have plans or that's going to be really hard to do G because of, like, our child or whatever. So there are definitely things like that.
1: Um,
2: right. But in terms of actually coming down with the, like,
1: no, you may not
2: like that person, um,
0: yeah, I think we haven't done that before.
2: You know, mm mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah we
0: I, haven't done that before. I, w- I, I was in a women's circle one time and we were talking about open relationship and a woman said that she doesn't want to judge her partner's spiritual path in life. He may have something to learn from another person and and why would she interfere mm-hmm. with his process of meeting people? And I, That just really stuck with me.
2: <laughs> totally.
0: Okay, so yeah, let's talk I, about parents. I- Sorry, go go ahead Philippe, you have a thought about that?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the most important part for us has been that we always want the other person to have a voice. Uh, it we got, and, mm-hmm. and we do the same thing with parenting. Uh we you know we tell our child like, you know, you don't always get to have a vote but you always have a vo you have a, always have a voice and I think Part of the importance of connecting in relationship, and and with parenting, is to is to always give people the chance to have a valid voice in the process.
1: Hmm.
3: Like, and there were times where where, where Patches was out with lovers a lot, and she was she was also she was also school a lot, and uh, and he was starting to have a hard time. And I said, "Well, you talk to Mama about it." And I think it's the same thing for us. The the idea the idea of veto power just feels like it goes against our, our our principle of really connecting around different things that we have a hard time. That may, that gives us a hard time. And then mm-hmm. together feeling into it and kind of in a way come up with a, a little bit of a consensus process. Uh, where where everybody gets to speak and everybody gets gets to say what how they feel about it and, and be willing to to be impacted by these voices as the person making the final decision. -hmm.
2: To to add to that, I would also say that um, to me, veto power shuts the conversation down. It doesn't open it up. And both of us are more interested in opening up a conversation, even if it's a really tricky one. And and we've definitely been in some very tricky conversations. Um, But I trust that we over the years we've um, not in the beginning but I think now we have very good listening for each other
1: and so because
2: of that and that's probably fed into like why we feel more, another reason why I know I feel more spacious in our open relationship and that's what I think listening for me has grown exponentially and I feel like he really listens and gets me in a way um, Mm -hmm. that he didn't get me in the beginning
0: Right, thank you so let's talk a little bit more about poly-parenting. Um, how does parenting come into the picture with an open relationship? Do you um, do you find that that adds more layers to the complexity of it?
3: Uh, I'll start with that one. Um, I would say mm-hmm. it just fills up our schedule uh, quite a bit more. I mean, that adds All complexity. Right. I mean, it could be dads or it could be uh, playing poker five, you know, three nights a week. I mean, it just it just fills up the schedule, so that makes scheduling more complex. Uh, it also means that we get to hang out less. I mean, it's amazing when people say, "Oh, I have five lovers." I'm like, "How do you do that? How do
1: you how do you handle
3: you know family life plus personal life plus plus social life plus lovers all together?" It it I, it just sounds incredibly complex and. Uh, and mostly impossible, so that's the first thing and and the second thing is with our son, he just knows that we have people that we really love, that we really feel close to uh, that we go and hang out with and sometimes spend the night with, and sometimes they come over here and they spend the time, they spend the night in in our bed, and it's all, okay, like we don't make a big mm-hmm. deal out of it, and he doesn't make mm-hmm. a big deal out of it
1: mhm.
0: Have you run into any um, yeah, were, problems with judgments from like your um, pa- other parents in your child's school or other adults in your community? Uh, not yet. Oh,
2: that's good. Um, we what are grade? pretty quiet about stuff. I mean, I, I definitely don't. I don't advertise it to other parents. You know, we do actually wear it at the school. Um, we do know another set of parents who have gone to different play events. And I, I don't know if they're Polly now, but I know that they have been open in the past. Um,
1: mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm
2: definitely very, a little more tentative around being completely open. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you introduce your uh, son what to you're... your... Go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead. Oh, awesome I was going your... to say I
2: what Philippe was <laughs> saying around. I, I... Um...
0: I know I told you that delay. So the really crazy thing around. A... So I'm, I'm going to let you talk. Go ahead. Oh
2: right, I know that Philippe was talking about. Oh yeah, you know sometimes we have a lover spend the night or whatever, and I remember um, there is somebody, a few people that I'm seeing right now, and one of them has spent the night, and um, I went to pick him up at the BART station, and our son was in the back, and our son's friend was there. And I picked him up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is my friend." And, and Phoenix turned around, and he's like, "Oh, that's my friend too." And I thought it was very, very sweet that he considers one oh. of my lovers his friend as well. So mm-hmm. it was that's just true. like, "Oh, this is my, I have you know friends, and then I've got some, I've got some grown-up friends, and this is one of my grown-up mm-hmm. friends." So, awesome. And
0: and how old is he now? Six. Okay. So have you thought about how you're going to handle it when you get a little older or will you just kind of keep going, playing it by ear as you go along? I
2: think for me, I'm, well, you know, Philippe and I haven't really talked about this, so I'll be interested to hear what you say. Um, but I think I'm more about when, if, if our son has questions, then he can ask, you know, and my sense is that, there, I mean, there may come a time when we need to be more explicit um, and then there may just be, you know, moments where we can we have people in our lives that we really love and care for and um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, if there's some explicit questions or it seems important, then certainly we can say something and um, you know, at a certain point, like he's a smart kid. He sees things. I mean, he's given us relationship advice before, so he knows what goes <laughs> on. So, um, so I think if we were to talk about things, then he would. It would not be a surprise at all. Mhm.
3: Yeah, and the and, and, uh, and the other thing is that is that we uh, the way we handle our relationships is it's that uh, it's very it's very fluid in the sense that. That uh, you know, people come into our lives more and more, and sometimes they go, they kind of like go, from pump, less pump, and less into our lives. And there's not, there's not a whole lot of now. there's a milestone, and this, you know, we're we're with this person or we're that person, and, and so, and, and so, and I feel like he kind of deals with his own friends a little bit in the same way. There's, uh, it's, it's not. There's no specific moment where a thing is happening that signifies that the relationship is on or off. Uh, and in that sense, it kind of allows a certain fluidity of engagement uh, for him and with his
0: friends, but also for us and our lovers. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and it's true what you said earlier, Padgett, that, that children react to our energy, and if you act, Nervous or ashamed, they're going to pick that up. If you act natural, this is just part of the landscape. They don't think twice about it.
3: Yeah, totally. He's also very comfortable about asking any questions to us. He's very. I I don't remember any time where he kind of held on to a question for a long time before actually asking. Mm -hmm.
1: Mhm. Mhm. That's great. That's great. Okay,
0: Uh, well, thank you for your transparency about your your parents. Um, Tell me, what are some of the areas that you're still working on in your relationship after all these years? (laughs) Ajay, do you want to go? Yeah,
1: um, well, I think,
2: I mean, parenting is just such a huge transition for us. Before, it was (laughs) like, B P and then there's like post P, you know, before parenting and after parenting. <laughs> and before parenting there was just vast quantities of time. At least that's how I'm remembering it. Like we had yeah. time to like binge watch Battlestar Galactica and stuff <laughs> like that and um and we, we used to have run workshops together and went to tons of festivals and different events and And um, really had a kind of a solid identity as a couple. And then after parenting, I think that we've floundered more. There's just not that kind of spaciousness to do the things that we used to do before. And so Mm -hmm. for us, we're trying to rediscover, like, who are we outside of the family life? You know, mm-hmm. um, who is the who is the us? that's the us of two, not the us of three. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's um, there are moments when it feels like we're doing a lot of things separately, and then there are other moments where I think it feels like things are moving together more fluidly. Um, so I think that that's one definitely one piece that we're trying to
0: to figure out. Yeah, yeah. so one one element
1: that we're working on.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to share something about that, Philippe, what you're working on still in your relationship? Yeah, I think um, um,
3: in, in a way, it's, it's easier to have a, an us connection with lovers. Because we get to spend uh, in a way we get to spend only quality time with them because we get to pick the time and the date
1: and uh, and we also
3: get to uh, and we also get to feel like our attention is not distracted with them. so it's in so, in some ways it it can be easier to be with a lover even though we, we haven't spent as much time and in, in lifetime with them. Um, but it's, it's all, it's basically, it's all, we get to be on our own bubble. And so when we're in family, my cousin and I are, are, are evolving as a family, part of the time is logistics, part of the time is, you know, handling a household, part of the time is handling attention with our son, and, and part of the time is, is trying to engage with each other. And, uh, and it's, a, it's very, it's, 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 uh, it's very uh, shattering as an experience and I think we're getting better at it uh, like last weekend we were just at, a, at the Beloved Festival which was amazing and we had a nanny, and we managed to spend some time together but also as a family so I think it's a, it's a work in progress to uh, be able to have quality time with each other
1: and as a family
0: Got it. right of course if you're just joining us you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio and this is your host Sue Sparks, the open relationship coach at SueMatisseSparks.com. And we're speaking with Philippe Lewis and Paget Norton, who are poly parents, also sex educators and community leaders. I'd like to hear a little bit more about um, or hear about the online community that you created. Do you want to talk about that, Philippe? Uh, yes. So uh, many years ago,
3: uh, early, early on, it was in 2009, so it's almost it's eight years coming online. Uh, I remember it said something like, if I remember correctly, she said something like, every time I talk to one of my girlfriends or to one of my women friends, there's a, uh, you know, they all they always say, oh, it must be hard to be with a guy who wants to be with other women, or some version of that, and. And when she told me this, I realized, oh, I've been creating events for many years. We have community, we have the technology, and we can easily create gatherings that will bring the right people together, who will help each other and be in support of not just our relationship, but
1: each other's relationship.
3: And that's the way the, the, the open relationship community was created. Uh, we just had a potluck. We started with a potluck, very simple, just uh, maybe one question to engage people with. And then the rest of the time, it was just people talking and sharing about their curiosity or their form of open, poly, or non monogamous
1: relationship.
0: And so what's become of it today?
3: Uh, It's still going on. It's got uh, – there's multiple podcasts in the Bay Area every month, South Bay, North Bay, East Bay, San Francisco. And there's a Facebook group called the Upward Relationship Community that has about 6,000 people with a number of amazing rock star moderators keeping an eye on everything to make sure that it doesn't devolve into an advertisement fest or – or or a lot of flame war, a bunch of flame wars of people who can't agree with each other. So there's there's a lot to be done to to maintain uh, mature, supportive, wise conversations, and, and they're doing a great job with that. And the and the community rises up to uh, to really be helpful to people who are curious.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations on the success of that. Six thousand numbers. That's amazing. <laughs> wow and then
2: yeah, um, how, I think how the we, other go ahead Padgett. yeah I think the other thing too that, um, is that for me it was not only like you know having friends say oh this must be hard but I was having this experience And I don't know if it, you know I'm not saying this is the truth but my truth is the kind these of people who were poly and for them it seemed like they've been poly since they were six years old you know And for me, that was not my journey, and I really wanted to connect with people who had um, maybe found out they were trying on non monogamy, they had tried different things, they had had challenges, they'd worked through challenges, so I wanted to actually meet up with people who had a huge range of experience um, and weren't just naturally poly from the get-go. And when we had the open relationship community, we met up with all kinds of people, like the lifers, as well as the people who had just dabbled. And then everyone in the beginning, we'd sometimes get monogamous couples, you know, or somebody who brought a friend who had no idea what was going on. So um, it was just a really interesting cross-section of people at different stages of relationships. And I really appreciated that and definitely felt less alone.
0: Yeah, how important do you think it is for people practicing non-monogamy to be in community? I mean, I think it's really important. So I know I've, um, you know, we
2: definitely get people in the open relationship community who are out in small towns in the middle of nowhere, and they they're having a hard time because they feel really alone in what they're doing, or they feel shocked. Um, or maybe they're having challenges. they want to do this thing, but they don't know how to do it, or they're having certain challenges or uh, um, having the community around you that you have more pillars of support around you and hopefully more wisdom you know to draw from and to ask people suggestions
0: around things. Right. And do you want to say anything more about community, Philippe? How important that is for open relationships?
3: Uh, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, in in order to grow, uh, uh, we need other we need other people. If we don't, we're not able to figure everything out. Uh, so when community comes together, we found that what naturally emerges is support and wisdom. You know, you talk to someone, and they and maybe maybe they have got something that they figured out that you haven't, and vice versa. So the sharing and the support. And the, and the wisdom can naturally flow between people. And that creates more connections, which then creates a more supportive, a more, um, more tightly knit community of people. And it, might, it makes everybody feel like they're, they're part of something that's bigger and they feel more solid in those spaces.
0: Right. Those are excellent points. And I also think that we have so much programming in our culture Um, monogamous, um, religious types of programming and if we're just alone in isolation that programming kind of comes and gets us if we don't have people reminding us of the choices that we want to make and the different kind of lifestyle that we're choosing. (laughs) Okay, so um, uh, Philippe, I I know it was a few years ago that you decided to become a coach um, and you developed your exquisite
1: exquisite love
0: business, um, can you tell me about how you came to be an exquisite love coach? Um,
3: I think I started out, I, I used to be, uh, I, I started out as a, as a counselor, I was, uh, I, I was trained in counseling um, and then, uh, and then I, was, uh, I started producing events that allowed people to go more on exploration of community and, and intimacy and people started asking me a lot of questions around it. And I started to discover that in my process of, of engaging with people and lovers and, and friends and community, that I, that I gained a lot of that wisdom that I was just speaking about a minute ago. And I wanted to share it. Um, and I started evolving different systems that, that allowed me to understand what's going on. And, and lately, attachment theory has been a big one uh, that, that really supports the, the understanding of, of, of how we operate, especially when insecurity is present. And I've been wanting to share that to support the community even more than just being one of the one of the many uh uh engaging in the same work. Uh I I started to notice that people would ask me questions and, and I would have good answers. And I it just kind of grew from there over time, uh, to support more and more people and just starting to post about it, uh both on my website and on also on my Facebook blog.
1: hmm Right.
0: And, um, Padgett, did you – I I know you two coach together now sometimes, and I believe you also started to do some writing, haven't you? Yeah. I've –
2: I mean, I have a background in writing, but then I kind of got away from it, and I've always done some, and so more recently I've been doing um, a lot of parenting posts, kind of conscious parenting posts, and uh, I've had a – piece accepted by elephant journal and a couple of pieces by the good men project and some other places and um just love writing about my experience parenting and trying to be as aware and um, empathetic as possible and then on the other side um i've been writing erotica and so that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other creature that i've um started off working with and oh nice hope to be publishing under a pseudonym because you know typically uh parenting and erotica don't go on the same website so uh, um. yeah so i've been having a lot of fun <laughs> working with those two sides and it it feels very balancing to me to have um all these, these parenting posts and a few, like, relationships and other posts thrown into that, and then the other side, which is, you know, this other life, this other piece of my life that I have, and parenting wouldn't be there without that, you know? So um, so they are connected, Excellent. but, again, not on the same website.
0: Right. And, and I think that's a very great getting your... Go ahead, Philippe. That's a
3: great example of, of six the six is, is... Sex positivity for me is to be able to write about parenting on one hand, and write about is uh, write about write erotica on the other hand, or coach people around relationships, or engage whole communities around uh, basically having the relationships that they want. And monogamy can absolutely be one of them. Uh, so it's not about what what's better; it's about what's good for you. And uh, and, and and sex is inherently a part of. Who we are because we were created with it and, uh, and being positive about it just means that when it comes up, either either in relationship or in terms of preferences or in terms of, of how we engage with each other, uh, I think it's, it's good that we can portray something that, that is healthy um, and, and show that to our children so that they can grow with a healthy sexuality as well.
0: Exactly. I'm so glad you guys are doing that work, and congratulations on getting your articles accepted, Paget. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, Philippe, you talked about how um, attachment theory has helped you a lot in your coaching. Can you describe that a little bit for people that may not know what that means?
3: Okay, really quickly, because this is a big topic. Um, attachment theory <laughs> states that within the, within the first 12 months of, of someone's life, uh, there's there's enough experiences that that causes the baby to begin to elaborate a strategy for for getting their needs met. Uh, And there's there's secure strategies and there's insecure strategies. If the parent is very responsive and uh, and very present for their child, uh, there's a greater chance that the child will be secure. If the parent, for whatever reason, even accidental, is not present at the right place at the right time, the child might become, might become more insecure. And, uh, and there's two ways of being insecure. There's either the anxious way or the avoidant way. So the anxious is about, is about crying more and making more noise and just being more, uh, being more intense in order to get your needs met. And avoidance sort of gives up on trying to do that and, and and ends up being more independent and less less needy, but inside they're still feeling insecure. So, uh, growing with that, uh, there's um, one of the more the, the more advanced theories of attachment theory states that as adults, we what happened when we were in those first few months of our life really impacts who we are as adults and how we relate to other people, and that applies both in monogamous relationships and polyamorous relationships. So to actually understand how we are insecure is a really huge key to having healthy,
0: conscious, and consensual relationships. Well, thank you. That was a great description. And so what would you say your relationship with Paget, what type of attachment style do you guys have? Oh,
3: well, um, I would say that early on, we were both, we were both insecure. Uh, Paget was more leaning towards anxious, and I was leaning towards more avoidance. And, um, and I think over time, we did a lot of work around it, and we've sort of become more mature, more stable, more secure. Uh, but then our son was born, which, uh, which gave Paget, which I feel gave Paget, like a huge boost of solidity. Um, And I felt like I lost my anchor in the process, which actually threw me off. Um, And then I ended up being, and because I ended up being much more insecure, I ended up connecting with a lover who was also very insecure, which was a whole epic love story that failed miserably. Uh, Or not miserably, but failed, 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 but definitely not miserable and then um and then I feel like I'm coming out of that, and we're and our relationship is that much stronger for us uh and we're both becoming more and more much more solid and much more secure
0: excellent thank you and i I saw on your website that you've been trained in all different kinds of things, including uh somatica, I believe it was called um yeah, that was called somatic uh yeah. somatic okay. Yeah, and um, you talked about the, um, I took notes here, the six types of something, what was it, I um, uh, lost my notes here, uh, there was like the six types of intelligence, six oh, types uh, of intelligences, it's seven. thank you, you saved me there, <laughs> seven types of it's intelligence, intelligence. So can you tell me a little it's bit more about that? It's the of
3: seven intelligences.
0: Um, I
3: I oh, that's another oh, I big topic. To yeah, <laughs> that would be that would be the topic of a whole of a whole call. Um, really rapidly, the the idea is that, um, is that we have different ways of perceiving the world and engaging with it. Uh, we know some of the main ones. We know intellectual intelligence. Uh, we have emotional intelligence. There's a book on social intelligence, and I've, uh, I've come up with a few more that seem to complete the picture. Um, and as we engage with these different types of intelligence, we can actually notice the places where we we can grow more and we can develop ourselves more in order to have a better discernment of reality um, as it pertains to that type of intelligence. So there's a few others. There's primal intelligence, somatic intelligence, uh, physical intelligence, and Spiritual intelligence. Uh, so that makes a total
0: of seven. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so let's go back to Paget. Um, can you tell me what are some of the greatest life lessons you've learned from being non-monogamous?
2: Oh wow.
1: Um,
2: greatest life lessons. <sighs>
1: Oh
0: gosh, I wish I had time to prepare that one.
1: <laughs> um, uh-huh.
0: do you want do you want to share, Salim? Um, well, we so have to think about it. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: it's, I if would you say, say we have an
0: answer to that, then you can go first.
3: <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, so what's interesting to me is that there's a big parallel between. Uh, open and poly relationships and 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 blood family relationships. I, I feel like like one of the most prevalent forms of polyamory as in loving more than one person, uh, in some ways equally but differently and uniquely, uh, is, is is our is families. If you ask parents like which kids, which child do you love more and they'll they'll almost always say, "I, I can't compare. I love them both they maybe, maybe equally but differently. And I think uh, and I think it, once once you understand that as a parent, you also can understand that as a as somebody who can love more than one uh, more than one person uh, romantically. And so that's one of the lessons is, is that it's kind of a lesson around big love. It's around, it's a lesson of I, I can love more than one person." And, and not try to compare and not try to make it mean more, more of one thing with one person compared to another person. The comparison is no longer relevant. What matters is, is the engagement, the relationship and the contribution you make to each other.
1: Beautiful. Thank you.
0: <clears throat>
1: okay, I have some ideas.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: I think
2: one thing I realized is that and that's this relates back to your question about like veto power. And that's um, you can't control somebody else, you know. And I think that there, you know, the saying like if you love someone, set them free. And and I, I really believe that very, very strongly that if you're holding on to somebody super, super tightly, then you can often really just strangle a beautiful relationship. Um, and so I think that that's been, that's been a big lesson. I think it's a lesson that um, some people don't understand. Like I get that sleep just needs a certain amount of freedom. And part of it is like his attachment style and part of it is just he's kind of a wild kitty, you know, and he needs to go out and like do his thing and then he comes back home, right? And so um, so sometimes there's been this misconception that like Padgett is home pining, and like, oh, it's terrible. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm not as vocal about it on Facebook, but, but let me assure you, I am not home pining. Um, <laughs> or if I am home, it's not, you know, and definitely, you know, if I am home, I'm not pining. I'm having a great time. Um, so All I right. think that's one thing. Another thing is around just communication and transparency, realizing that, I mean, we've just learned how to communicate more effectively without um, looping on each other and um, – just not taking things so personally, you know, Not which isn't to say that, like, you know, I, I always can't take things personally, but definitely that's been a big lesson. And also um, asking for what I want has been really huge instead of being afraid to ask for it. I mean, I, I, not to say again that I don't get scared, but I'm a lot better about asking for what I want and need. Um, you know, if I look across the calendar, I'm like, hey, you're going out a lot, you know. It's like, okay how do we... Well, like, i like, I need some time with you. So, you know, we'll make sure that we get some time together, for example. Um, and then I think it's a huge piece around personal responsibility. And that by that, it's that, you know, Philippe was in that kind of epic love affair. And there are places where I got triggered and I really got that those were mine. Like, those are my triggers. And, um and I would see that with other things, like when stuff comes up, just an understanding that there are hundreds of ways to respond to a certain thing, and how I'm responding is, sometimes I feel a choice and sometimes I don't, you know? But it's still mine, right? I am the common denominator in all of these things. And often right. with um, open stuff, yeah. it's a lot easier for me to see my own patterns, even easier to see other people's patterns but you know I definitely see my own patterns and so instead of um, putting it on someone else I've learned how to make more requests or learned how to say you know this is I get this is my thing and you know for better for worse here we are like this is this thing this pattern that I have I have a hard time with it it comes up again and again I'm really present to it right now and I just need to sit with this thing um, so I, I've seen that instead of being upset that, oh, I went to a party and, you know, my lover didn't give me as much attention as I would have liked, to actually take that as an opportunity to say, like, hey, here's what works for me, here's what didn't, and this is, like, in the future, like, I would love to get more attention from you. And then, you know, kind of saying what that would look like. So instead of kind of crumbling inward and being really upset. Um, now, of course, you know, I if I'm with somebody who doesn't want to make any changes like a whole other thing, but I, I generally, I choose really awesome people. And so, you know, if I make a really clear request, um, that person is typically more than willing to work with me and, like, make sure that
0: that, that happens. So. Right. Well, it sounds like you've come a long way. Good work. <laughs> very much so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, Philippe, what would you tell your clients, um, what does it take for us to trust our partner?
3: Uh, I, I, I kind of referred to it quickly earlier. Um, I have, a, I have this, this principle that came to me recently, which is very, very, very simple. Um, connection leads to trust. Trust leads to consent. Um, and the conversation was around consent specifically but what you asked me is what does it take to trust your partner and I would say as simple as this the the, the simple answer is it takes connection it takes engaging Mm -hmm. and meeting your partner and really understanding where they're coming from and why they're coming from where they're coming from and and how it pertains to their way their values their upbringing their beliefs in a way that does not refer to yours and be able to, to discern the two, allowing for a conversation to emerge uh, so that you can understand each other over time.
1: Beautiful. Thank you. Bring I love
3: up, that. That's the brain for us.
0: Beautiful. Okay. Well, we're starting to run out of time, and I want to thank you both for your transparency and just being so willing to be honest and share with, the world about your, your trials and tribulations as well as the successes you've had and you're great role models, and I really appreciate all the work you've done in the community to bring us all together. Um, do you want to take the last four or five minutes to tell people how they can get in touch with you and I believe you also have an offer for our listeners.
3: Oh. Um, I'll let it start. Um,
2: yeah, well, i uh for me I do have a website and it's uh www. and it's uh com, and that's uh dot n.com um, and so you can access my email and everything through that um so these, these days, you know, any coaching that Philippe and I do, to, we do, you know, a little bit together, and then I'm also just open to answering questions um, because I know that for some people, like, they want to or they're scared to or they want to try this thing or they're in something, and um, and I'm happy to actually, you know, work uh, to talk to them about that and go from there. Um, In terms of, like, Philippe and I working together when we've worked with couples in the past, it's worked really nicely because um, often we represent different attachment styles, and so we can usually relate to one or the other in in the couple that they're in. And so that has been um, super, super valuable to actually, you know, work in that capacity.
3: Excellent.
0: Thank you. And Philippe?
3: Yeah, I want to I want to back on what I said. Uh, what's important is that when we're, uh, it, it's very common for for uh, every for, for couples to have at least one person who's either anxious or avoidant. It's most couples have that. It's either both are insecure or one person is insecure at the very least. Um, and to have both of us be there and at least validate how they're feeling, at least one of us validates how they're feeling. Sometimes the the couple feels completely validated because we have similar experiences, or we've had similar experiences, and we've sort of stepped out of it. Um, It's very powerful. Um, uh, On top of that, uh, I would like to invite any listener who wants to be part of the Open Relationship Community Facebook group, uh, the one that has 6,000-plus people. Uh, and also answer any questions just like Tajit, contact me directly on Facebook or via text or email and above that and beyond that uh, we have an offer of, uh, of uh, supporting people via a free coaching call uh, 30 minutes just to get the ball rolling get a sense of, of who you are and who we are and it could be with just Pat, with just me or with Tajit and I together especially if you're a couple and you want to you want to get a sense of who we are and and how we can support you. So uh, if you go to my website, uh, exquisite.love, www.exquisite.love. Yes, they have .love extensions now. Uh, so go there, There's a button that says focus-free session, and then, and then we'll talk.
0: Okay, and can you um, say again how people can reach you if they want to be added to the um, Facebook group?
3: Well, I, uh, you should ask the Oh, uh, the also Facebook through, through the group.
1: website.
3: Yeah, to, through your uh, through your website, uh, through the, uh, the the blog website, there should be some text, and I'll, I'll make sure that you have the link on the uh, on the
0: blog uh, on the blog. Page. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Great. Well, thank you two so much for your time. It was a delightful getting to know you better, and I wish you all the best with your endeavors. And we'll see you around.
3: <laughs> all right thank you
0: okay bye-bye thank you so much uh-huh, Bye. bye-bye